Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. And also joining us on the Same Old Dolphin Show this week is a special guest. He is co-host of the DolphinsTalk.com daily podcast. He is also the host of the Countdown to Kickoff show on DolphinsTalk.com. He is Tom Ernesty, and he joins us today. Tom, how are you? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me on. It is our pleasure. So here's the thing. We had this whole show planned that we were going to do. We were going to talk about the final preseason game. We were going to give an overview of the Dolphins 53-man roster, and then we were going to go through the schedule and sort of give our week-by-week predictions. And that was what this show was going to be. And then, on Saturday, all hell broke loose. And I guess... If you're listening to this show and you're a Dolphin fan by now, you probably know what has happened. If you don't know what has happened, I, I, I'm I'm just not sure which bubble that you're living in. Um, maybe there's space for us to come hang out there at some point in time over the course of the season, because at some point or another, I'm sure we'll want to get in there. But basically what happened is, and we talked about it last week on the show, that the Dolphins were rumored to be in um talks with the Houston Texans for a trade for Jadavian Clowney. And over the course of the week, those talks began to break down, primarily because Judavian Clowney had no interest in coming to the Miami Dolphins. But rumors began to swirl that in part of the conversation, the Houston Texans were really interested in Laramie Tunsil. And in fact, the brain tweeted out at some point over the course of the week, I don't know why we're talking about this Tunsil thing. The Dolphins are just not going to trade him. It's never going to happen. And so then, lo and behold, the Jadavian Clowney talks break down completely. And we think, okay, well, that's the end of this. We can move on from that, and we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what the Dolphins are going to do with their roster intact the way it is. And then, late Saturday afternoon, we get word that the blockbuster trade has still happened. The Dolphins still traded Laramie Tunsil to Houston. In, in fact, the, the terms of the trade are as follows. The, the Texans received Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills, and the Dolphins 2024th round pick and a 2021 sixth round pick. And exchange, the Dolphins received the Texans 2020 first round pick, their 2021 first round pick, their 2021 second round pick and a tackle Julian Davenport and uh, a cornerback Johnson Batamosi. I think I don't know that either of those two guys are necessarily going to be big impact players for the Miami Dolphins. But the big news here was that the Dolphins still went ahead and traded Laramie Tunsil. And this sent shockwaves throughout Dolphins fandom. In some places, the news was greeted with horror and shock. And in other corners of the Dolphins fandom, people received the news with great delight and glee. So I guess my question is, we're going to start with you, Tom, because I, I, the brain and I have sort of chatted about this a little bit. I'm very curious to hear what you think about this trade. I know that your co-host, Mike, he was not particularly happy about this trade, so I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on it. 
I'm, uh, I guess in a word, I'm baffled, you know, and, and the reason I'm baffled is you, and it really goes back to April. You traded for Josh Rosen. You give up a second round pick. Yes, you got one for next year, but in this draft, you traded a second round pick and you have Josh Rosen sitting here. How are you going to evaluate him at all behind an offensive line that when you mentioned Julian Davenport, he started games for the Texans in the preseason and almost got Deshaun Watson killed. He gave up 12 sacks last year, so obviously that is a significant downgrade. We know the entire offensive line has been trash, a dumpster fire for uh, what better part of a decade. And it now it's going to get even worse because Larry Tunsil can hide some of your flaws. Now that he's gone – it's going to be a field day on these Dolphins quarterbacks, which is why I personally believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick has become the sacrificial lamb for the Dolphins, at least for the first four games of the season. I just don't know how this is going to go. So I'm, I'm taken back because the Dolphins had a premier player, budding premier player at a premier spot on a roster, and you gave him up for unknowns. Draft picks are unknowns. We don't know if you're going to hit those picks or you're going to miss those picks. So the unknown is there, and it's very hard to find a left tackle nowadays in football. Now, is it a signal that because they traded away at a left tackle that they're going to go get Tua? we got a whole season to figure that out. we got 22 weeks of football, and then the pieces will fall where they go. Well, for the Dolphins' sake, it's going to be about 17 weeks of football because they're going to be done after that. I just don't know where this team's direction is going. I wish we would have been able to get a real evaluation of Josh Rosen in twenty in 2019 to determine if, you know, is he the guy that was drafted 10th overall? Is, you know, is he going to be a player in this, in this league? And at this point, he's a cheap backup based on the moves yesterday. So I'm baffled by the move. I'm not disappointed. I'm just baffled that they actually did what they did. Yeah, I think it's an interesting... It puts the Dolphins particularly in, in in how in as much as it relates to Josh Rosen. I think it it seems to me to be a sign that maybe this organization has seen all they need to see from Josh Rosen. And granted, you know, from where we sit, we've seen we've seen him play in some preseason games. And we've drawn our conclusions from that. This is the coaching staff that has seen him not only in the preseason games, but they've seen him on the practice field. They also see him in the quarterback room. They see him in film study and they can sort of make a, make a fuller assessment from that. So the early indication would be that maybe this is a sign that they've given up on Rosen and that they are prepared to move forward with him because it, it seems Really difficult to see how the Dolphins have a season in 2019 that results in them picking outside of the top 10 in this draft. But Brain, I want to bring you in here to sort of talk about this, how you sort of perceive the Tunsil trade and what your sort of instant reaction was to it. My instant reaction was probably the same as everybody's, which was, wait a minute, Clowney got traded already. What do you mean we traded Laramie Tunsil? And then, it, you know, what did we get for him? And I, I was immediately angry that we traded Laramie Tunsil because much like Tom said, you know, this was a foundational piece. You've got a young premier talent just entering the prime of his career at a premier position. 
there's no need to trade him. Then I saw what we got, and I got to say, I was just kind of, okay, well, how do you say no to that? I mean, I even alluded to it. I'm not sure if it was Tom or if it was Mike that first uh, we had like a little engagement on Twitter uh, about when the first uh, rumor came out that the Texans were offering Clowney in a first-round pick for Tunsil. Uh, and I, I, again, I don't remember Tom, was it you or was it Mike that, that commented on that and said something to the effect of, I, I wouldn't do this. I'd make him give up another first round pick. I think it, it was definitely Mike. That, okay. That. So, and, and my, my response to it was, I'm not sure I'd do that. I'd probably make him give up another first round pick. Well, that's essentially what happened. They they basically they didn't just give up two first round picks. They gave up two firsts and a second. So no, they didn't give us three first round picks. But two firsts and a second, that is what teams give up to move up in the draft to get surefire elite quarterbacks. When we talk about the Dolphins going into the 2020 draft with a war chest of picks just in case we found a way to win five or six games and we needed to trade up to get our quarterback. What did you think we were going to give up to get, you know, if we had to trade up to get Tua, if if Tua was our guy or if it was Jordan Love, it was probably going to be something to the effect of two firsts and a second. So if two firsts and a second is the value on a surefire starting quarterback, franchise quarterback, then I'm trading my left tackle every single day for that compensation. It just comes down to value. Uh, As far as the Josh Rosen thing is concerned, that's the part that probably stings the most because it kind of puts into question the whole vision. Oh, there's no lack of vision. There's a lack of vision because why are you trading for Josh Rosen? And then you're making this trade. But I don't think in their wildest imagination, when they made that trade for Josh Rosen, that they thought that they were going to have the opportunity to pick up two firsts and a second for anybody on their roster. This just kind of fell into their laps because the Texans were desperate and the Texans more so than probably every other team in the league were in a situation where they don't have a GM where Bill O'Brien is acting as the GM. And at the same time, he's on the hot seat as the coach of the Texans and they've got to not just make the playoffs, but make a serious run at the Super Bowl. He doesn't care about next year's draft or the following year's drafts. So when it comes to improving his team, he's like, all right, you want a first round pick here. You want two first round picks. You want another pick here. I don't need them. I've got to win now. And so it's just the perfect storm. And it's just a move that you got to make because it's just, too much value to pass up. And then the more I think about it, the more I also look at, we're trying to be the Patriots, right? We're trying to take the Patriots model. Well, you know what the Patriots don't do? They don't spend 15 million, 16 million, whatever it's going to cost per year on an offensive lineman. They just don't do it. They value the whole 53 man roster over 
a couple of star players. Now, yes, it's true. We did spend a whole bunch of money on Xavier Howard, and we could have spent a whole bunch of money on Laramie Tunsil. And I would venture to guess if we didn't have this trade just fall into our laps, that we're probably going to give Laramie Tunsil that money regardless. But I think when you look at the, the compensation coming our way and the fact that it's either you take that or you spend all your, your money in signing Laramie Tunsil to that huge deal, I just think they they did the move that the Patriots probably would have made. They they it was a very Patriots move. It was a forward thinking move, and then at the same time, it really puts into clarity the whole idea that it is we are not trying to win this season. Now that's not to say that they're not going to go out there and try to win every game that they play, but it is. It's been consistent since day one with these guys coming in here that they are putting way more stock into next year and in and beyond over this year. And if that means that they're going to be 0-16, the worst team in the league this year, so be it. Yeah, and this leaves the roster in a in a position where, as of right now, there are four players on the Dolphins 53 man roster that are 29 year or that are older than 29 years old. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick who's 36, it's Rashad Jones who is 31, John Denny is 40 and uh who is the other guy? Oh, Daniel Kilgore is is 31. So like otherwise Everybody on the team, it's they have fully embraced this idea of the youth movement. Um, I want to take a look at this aspect of the of the Tunsil trade. And Tom, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Because the Dolphins now have a ton of draft capital in 2020. They've got what seven of the first hundred picks in the 2020 draft, which is unbelievable. They also have um, a pick in the fourth round, a pick in the fifth round, and then two two picks in the sixth and seventh round as well. I believe it's I believe it's six of the top hundred because the second because the second rounder that we ended up getting is from twenty twenty one. However, if we do end up with like the number one pick, then it could be seven in the of in the top hundred. Sure. So either way, six of the top 100 or seven of the top 100, the Dolphins have a ton of draft capital. Tom, the argument that people have been making against this is that you go from the sure thing in Laramie Tunsil to the risk of what draft picks are, right? They're a risk. And and we we saw Jeff Ireland have a lot of picks at his disposal, and we, we all know how that worked out. So now we have the real test of Chris Greer going into the 2020 draft and all of this draft capital. It's a question of whether it's going to be a hit or whether it's going to be a miss. Chris uh, Chris Perkins wrote a great piece in The Athletic about the Dolphins' current situation and how this franchise shouldn't necessarily have everybody's trust, even though they seem to be making the steps in the right direction here. So your reaction to the Dolphins with these picks and whether or not you feel ready to put your trust in Chris Greer and Brian Flores and the rest of the Dolphins sort of front office to do the right thing with these draft picks now that they've got them and now that they have in fact moved on from Laramie Tunsil. And we should also mention Kenny Stills, who is not to get lost in all of this. I think he's less of an impact player at the end of the day, given what this team is at the moment. They threw him in with the deal as well. But at any rate, Dolphins have these draft picks. 
How do we move forward and how do you feel about that? Well, the the draft picks and the capital are great because, you know, if it's going to turn into the same old Dolphins, they'll find a way to win five, six games and be drafted in seventh or eighth instead of in the top five. So it's good to have a plethora of picks available to you because even if you're drafting one and you grab your quarterback, you have so much capital now that you can move up and get the second best player or the third best player in this draft, you can still jump back into the top five because of what you have in regards of capital. I don't know if they would ever want to do that unless it's a player they desperately want, like an A.J. Espinosa or a Chase Young, one of those defensive ends outside of a quarterback in the top five. It's it's all about need at this point. Can Chris Greer turn, you know, can he, can he find the, the gold? Can he find the guys that are going to turn this franchise around? We'll see. You know, he's hit on picks. He's missed on picks. Just like every other GM in the NFL, he's hit on picks. Laramie Tunsil, Xavier Howard, Jakeem Grant, and he's whiffed on picks. Charles Harris, Raekwon McMillan. So you have to, it's a balancing act. They know they're going to make great picks. They know they're going to take chances and maybe miss on those picks. I'm confident that he's going to be able to do it. But what I'm really interested in before we even get into April 2020 draft, is what is he going to do with $135 million of cap space? That is the biggest question that's going to go into the next offseason is where is the money going to go? They're not just going to sit on their hands. They're not just going to say, well, we have $135 million. We're just going to sit on that and carry it over again in the following year. It's not going to happen. The Dolphins are going to be spenders in free agency. Are they going to go and get an Indomitian Sioux type player again? I don't think so, but they're going to get high-quality players to come to Miami because they got more than enough capital to do that. I don't think they're going to put themselves in cap hell either. It's got to be the right fit. That's what Brian Flores is looking for is fit and affordability. They bounced out of Trey Flowers because it just got way too expensive for him. He was going to be a perfect fit for the team, but it was all about cost. It didn't work. So Will people use the Dolphins as leverage as they normally do for contract negotiations? Again, a lot to be seen. But the draft capital is nice because you can do what you want with it. You can move up the draft board. You have the Houston pick, uh, which is probably going to float anywhere between 17 and 25, in my opinion. You can you can package that pick up with a mid-round pick and move back into the into the top 10 of the draft if you want to. So they have pieces, they can do what they want and get the players that they need to get this franchise back in a direction where it was 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. I think the point that you make about all that draft, uh, not the draft capital, the, the, the cap space that the dolphins have is something that's really interesting. And that leads you to really, I think a point of focus for the 2019 season. Because a lot of people, and, and, and if you're, if you're in any of these dolphin groups on Facebook, there are people that are like throwing themselves off of the nearest bridge and they're telling you, I'm never watching the dolphins again. I can't believe that this is what this team has decided to do to trade Laramie Tunsil. How could they do this of all people? And oh, woe is me. I think when you, we always knew that this season, I think was going to be a very 
very much an uphill climb for the Dolphins and that, that it was going to be a struggle and whether they took the steps to tank. There was, there was this whole conversation about whether or not the Dolphins were tanking for months in this offseason. That, that was the whole conversation. Are the Dolphins tanking? Should they tank? Well, it's clear in the decisions that they've made as far as personnel that this is not a team that is looking to go out there and truly compete for the playoffs for this upcoming season. We know that with the moves that they've made, they're they're embracing the youth movement. If you want to say it, spin it that way, as opposed to spinning it as the tank is on, which I mean, if however way you want to view it, I think it's accurate. But looking at the 2019 season, this entire season is going to be about establishing the guys who are going to be on this team going forward. With 49 of 53 men on the roster being under the age of 29, Brian Flores and Chris Greer are going to be able to spend all season looking at the guys and evaluating the talent on this roster to determine who is going to be worthy of some of that money going forward and to dis- and to determine where that money is going to need to be spent and do you know how much of this young talent is going to be talent that is going to overachieve coming forward we've seen signs that maybe Charles Harris isn't going to be a complete miss. He has been thus far, but we saw signs this preseason that maybe he's going to put it together this year. And so if that is something that turns out to happen, then that's a big plus. And that's that much less money that needs to be spent on that position. Same with Raekwon McMillan. Maybe this is a guy who can finally put it together. Maybe over the course of the season, some of these offensive linemen that have proved to be such a liability for the Dolphins, and and now the Dolphins have made trades Before the Tunsil trade, they made trades to bring in Danny Isadora from the Vikings. They brought in Evan Bohm from Indianapolis. These two guys to be pieces on this offensive line. Maybe it'll work out in the long run for this team. But the entire season is about evaluating the talent on the team. And we'll move into the week-by-week predictions in just a moment. But I really think that the focus for Dolphin fans this year who are wondering and feeling lost and feeling like maybe they don't know what to cheer for this year, I think the thing to be looking for is for moments and for individual players to shine over the course of the season. It's basically it's basically a 17-week preseason exactly. for 2020. That's exactly what it is. Yep. Absolutely. The same way you approach uh, watching a preseason game, that's – that's what this season is. The result doesn't matter. I mean, most fans are going to root for their team to win. You know, Dolphins fans this year, you know, might be rooting for their team to lose. But at the end of the day, the result doesn't matter because there's not a whole lot. I mean, no matter how hard you root, this team's probably not going to win more than, you know, at best five games. But that's probably generous, you know. But the way that you approach it is you you want to see the system how they're going to play, how they're going to use their players. Uh, and you want to see which players shine, which players are going to be part of the long-term solution. And if if we don't have players that are part of the long-term, where where do we need guys? Like what roles need to be filled? It's it's going to be a 17-week preseason. That, that's what this season is. Yep, it's a, it's a 17 week preseason. And I to go back to the Josh Rosen thing and how he's left out in the cold on this. Again, you know, cuz people are saying, could we could we move Josh Rosen now? Could we trade Josh Rosen for a second round pick? I think it's a possibility. I don't know that 
I mean, I listen, there's a team like the Indianapolis Colts that's out there now without a starting quarterback. They're they're elevating Jacoby Brissett, but they've got no depth at all at quarterback. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Indianapolis came knocking with a second round pick in exchange for Josh Rosen that the Dolphins moved on from him. Because why not at this point? That's a possibility. I I it'd be to me if the Colts said today, here's a second round pick for Josh Rosen, I'd do it. But I could also look at it and say, well, Josh Rosen actually showed the signs in the preseason that he could actually be something. And you still have the potential there. Now, at this point, because you've gotten rid of Tunsil and because you are likely, extremely likely to finish with a top three pick in the draft and you have all this draft capital and the quarterback class coming in, especially if Tua ends up, if you end up with the number one pick, you're taking him. Uh, it would, it would seem just incredibly unlikely that Josh Rosen can, can really successfully win this job for the future and prove that he is the franchise guy. But the possibility of it is still there. And he's going to get in at some point this season. And if he gets in and he plays well, you saw what's his name? Garoppolo from new England play what four games when Tom Brady was suspended and play well. And they got a first round pick back from him or something like, or he ended up getting like a $30 million contract. They probably could have traded him for a first round pick. I don't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but these quarterbacks are gold. They're more than gold. They're diamonds in this league. So if Josh Rosen turns out to be, you know, even close to looking like a a franchise quarterback, then you're probably going to get more than a second round pick for him. So at this point, you're probably best off just just keeping him. I mean, you traded a second and a fifth for him. So to give him up for less than you gave up for him would be just admitting failure, which is probably not a move that they would make. Although they they basically did that with uh, with cutting Dwayne Allen after giving him a big contract. Well, not a big contract, but after giving him guaranteed money and they cut him. So they they have shown that they are capable of admitting failure and cutting t- and cutting their losses, but. Because Josh Rosen still has the potential of proving to be at least a serviceable starting quarterback, if not a franchise quarterback, and that has more value than a second round pick, I'd say at this point, you're probably better off just keeping him. Yeah, I want to close off the tensile conversation and then transition to uh, another question that sort of has emerged today in light of the Tunsil trade and in light of the potential of trading Josh Rosen. Um, the last thing I want to say about Tunsil is the Dolphins got all these picks for it. And I think whether or not those picks pan out, ultimately, you got to view it, you got to view it through a poker analogy. In poker, you never, you never judge the decision that you've made based on the result of the hand. A lot of times you end up folding because the fold is the right move. And maybe your cards would have won the game. Or sometimes you stay in a hand because you're winning and it's the right move to stay in the hand. But then somehow your aces get busted. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Ultimately, you're making the right play, though. And I think in this case, the Dolphins have made the right play. Here's a question that I don't know whether it would be the right play. And it and it came up in an article that uh, Dave Hyde wrote in the Sun Sentinel 
today. And he posed the question, since the Dolphins have gotten rid of Tunsil and they got rid of Stills, and now there's the talk that they might get of get rid of Rosen, should they also trade Xavier Howard? I'd be curious to get both of your thoughts on that, Tom. Do you think that is a completely ridiculous question? Well, I mean, it's not a ridiculous question if you trade your premier left tackle and quite possibly the best player you have on offense. So it's not a ridiculous question. I just think you're just alienating the fan base to the point where you're not going to sell tickets at all. You know, they sold out the first game of the season. They sold a lot of tickets to a lot of home games this year. And I'm pretty sure they're going to end up on StubHub (laughs) more than not, uh, especially if you even consider trading Xavier Howard. Again, the big knock on the Dolphins over the years is that you were able to draft talent, develop that talent, and then just let them go or let them walk and get compensation picks or trade them away. It's, you know, it's been a Dolphins MO for, for quite some time. And, you know, you finally have a superstar player at a position that you're going to need long-term. And Xavier Howard has done everything right. He has done, you know, outside of a couple injuries here and there, he's been Miami's best corner, dare I say, since Sam Madison, Patrick Sertan. I mean, Brent Grimes is good, but Xavier Howard's on a whole other level. I mean, we're talking, you know, he's on a trajectory of all-pro-style cornerback in this league. You can't just trade him away. If someone blows you away with an offer like Laramie Tunsil, you get two firsts and a second, yeah, you got to consider it. But the Dolphins have already paid his bonus money, and his contract is for six years, $69 million essentially right now. It's a lot of money. I don't think a team's going to blow you away with an offer at this point. So there's no reason to trade Xavier Howard, and we know how Brian Flores values cornerbacks. Right. So there's no way you can trade Xavier Howard because now it's going completely against what Brian Flores has preached all summer since he's been hired. He wants good players and he wants guys that do the right things and does and does their job. And Xavier Howard's the guy. Who are you going to put out there? I mean, this is I mean, if you're really mailing it in and blowing games, sure, get rid of Howard for two first round picks. But you're alienating the fan base. It will take a lot of time to get the fans back in the seats if that's what they decide to do at this point. Yeah, I think it, the, the key there, Brain, and I'll let you speak on that in a minute, I, but I think you, the key point is you've already paid the man. You've already paid him. You've got him locked in. So, you know, even if you do ship him, you're still going to end up paying a little bit. And at this point, he's a key piece to the puzzle. And we all, we, we all thought Tunsil was too, but the offer came in for Tunsil, and he wasn't tied down yet. So, you know, the listen, like the million dollar man says, everybody's got a price. <laughs> so, see you, Laramie. Thank you for everything that you've done for the Miami Dolphins organization. But it's time for you to go on your way. Uh, Brain, anything to add on Xavier and Howard, or should we move on to this well, roster? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted Tom kind of touched on it. One part is the fact that we've already paid him the the signing bonus, uh, which was something with Tunsil that wasn't the case. Tunsil was still on his rookie deal, so who you know when we trade him to the Texans and the tens and the Texans presumably give him this huge contract extension, they're going to be paying the full price. 
if we were to go and, and trade Xavier Howard, teams would get him at a massive discount because they wouldn't have to pay the signing bonus. That means that they'd have to <laughs> the the trade compensation would have to be even bigger than we got for Tunsil. Plus, if you look back again at the Patriots model, the Patriots have never spent a lot of money on their offensive line. But where they have spent money is at cornerback, whether it was Ty Law or Darrell Revis or now it's Stephon Gilmore. The Patriots have always paid their top corner. Now, they had, they've, they've gotten into contract disputes because they didn't want to overpay, but they've always paid for their top corner and they don't mind spending money on there. It's a position that they historically have valued more than offensive line. So, I mean, is it ridiculous to consider trading Xavier Howard? No, I think what, what this trade of Laramie Tunsil shows us is in fact that everybody has a price, but the price on Xavier Howard is so ridiculous, would be so ridiculous that any team that would actually be able to pull that deal off would just have to be mind-numbingly stupid. They would probably have to give us th- probably four first-round picks, <laughs> and that's it. No, that's not happening. That. Exactly. So not happening. It's, it's not ridiculous, but it's ridiculous. Well, let's move on to uh, some quick thoughts on this fifty-three-man roster because obviously now everything should be taken or viewed through the lens of a team that is clearly not trying to win a lot of football games this season. So do you have, do either of you, Tom, we'll start with you, have thoughts on the Dolphins 53-man roster? Were there any surprises other than, I mean, I think all of us were probably surprised at some of the veterans that didn't make the team tank Caradine Dean for one. Um, uh, Ironically, tank Caradine being cut is, one of the the most surprising aspects because of his name. But um, what what are your reactions to this, what the Dolphins have ended up with on their 53-man roster? A roster that, by the way, as we record this on Sunday, we should say might still be in flux somewhat. The Dolphins today traded Kiko Alonso for uh, Vince Beagle. Is it Beagle? Bagel? I think it's Beagle. Beagle. We'll go with Beagle. It'll be the official position of the the uh, same old Dolphin show until now. But what are your thoughts on this 53-man roster as it stands now as we record on Sunday afternoon? Well, when we found, when we found out the Dolphins weren't going to be very big players in free agency and Armando Salguero uh, had an article that, article that came out that said, look for the Dolphins to add upwards of 30-plus undrafted free agents to fill out the roster, and they did that. And I think as of last count, I think seven or eight of those guys – are on the team right now as it sits on Sunday. Yeah, seven seven undrafted rookies on the Dolphins roster as of now. So, you know, that's just the direction the team wants to go. And this is, you know, this is a year to look at these young players, these young undrafted players and rookies, which is now a total of 13 on the team. Six of the rookies made the roster, and then uh, obviously the seven undrafted free agents. So you have 13 guys on the roster that haven't played a single down of meaningful football in the NFL yet. You have young players at your at your corner spots with Minka Fitzpatrick, Xavier Howard, Eric Rowe, and then you know you have the older guys in the back. I mean, when I say old, I mean Bobby McCain's what 27, 28 years old. 
Rashad Jones is going to be 31. It's a young defense. It's a very young defense. And you have a guy like Sam Aguavon, who they got from the CFL. He upended Kiko Alonso and Raquan McMillan to be the starter on this defense. I'm I'm shocked to say the least, but I'm shocked because of how young this team truly is. This is a very young football team. 24 years old is the average age on the team, and that's even including uh, the ageless wonder of John Denny, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's 37 years old, uh, and then you got Rashad Jones, who's going to be 31 come the beginning of the season. So you've got old older players on this team, but the rest of the team is young. These are these are young players that are hungry, and I think that's what Brian Flores was going for. He wanted some hunger out of these young kids who come at a very low price to see if they can develop these guys and have them on the roster for three, four years to hope that they progress and continue to and continue to get better. So when we get into the drafts in the next two years and we get into free agency, the Dolphins are looking for young players. They want to build a foundation for long-term success. So I think that's the way you got to look at this roster right now. It's, it's youthful. There's going to be a ton of growing pains. There's going to be a ton of drunk Dolphins fans trying to watch games every single week until they black out from drunkenness. And it's it's going to be a long year. It's definitely going to be a long year, but I'm excited to see the development of the young kids on the team. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's going to be a lot of players. Listen, Flores is going to put them out there, and it's either going to be you're either going to fly or you're going to fail on your feet. But we're going to put you out there, and you're it's going to happen. And you know we're not calling in the cavalry to come rescue you. And so I think there may be a lot of games this year that get pretty ugly, but. As I said earlier, I think what is going to be key is to see those moments and those handful of players, maybe more than a handful of players on this team that are able to really show up and make names for themselves and to give themselves a fighting chance to be part of this team as the rebuild really sort of this this year is the teardown next year or, or I mean this preseason has been the teardown this regular season and this next offseason is where the rebuild will really begin in earnest. Uh, Brain, what are your thoughts on this 53-man roster? Anything you'd like to add on it quickly? Yeah, obviously the undrafted free agents, that's a big one. But to me, the thing that stuck out the most was I thought the most interesting battle of the entire preseason was going to be which one of these running backs was going to end up not making the 53-man roster and probably, if we let them go, is going to end up getting picked up by another team. And lo and behold, that ended up not being the case because they kept all six of them. We knew Chandler Cox was going to be kept. We knew Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs were going to be kept. We It seemed pretty clear, based on his usage, that Mark Walton was going to be the third tailback or fourth running back. And then you kind of got the inkling because both Gaskin and Laird looked good and they used a draft pick on Gaskin that they were going to keep one of those guys and that they probably keep five running backs. But six, I don't think anybody thought that they would do. And they did. They kept all six. And that's ringing bells in my head, especially after this Laramie Tunsil trade and the clarity that we're just not going to give big money to a player at a position that we don't value. So that should be ringing bells off in every Dolphins fan's head. When you look at Kenyon Drake, who is going to be a free agent after this year, and we kept 
five other running backs on the roster. Kenyon Drake, in my mind, is not long for the Miami Dolphins, and I would be very surprised if Kenyon Drake is on this roster. Well, I don't want to say that. Kenyon Drake may very well still be on the roster past the trade deadline, but he, he they're not going to give him a contract extension. At the very least, you know, they're going to they're going to try to shop him. And if they can get a second round pick or a third round pick for him, they'll they'll take it. But at the end of the season, if he walks in free agency, they'll probably get a third round comp pick for him, which is the way which is the way to play it basically. You're you're going to try to get better than a third round comp pick in trade value back, but you're probably not going to re-sign him because if you let him walk, you get a third round comp pick back and you've got other running backs on the roster, whether it's Kalen Balazs or Patrick Laird or Miles Gaskin or maybe Mark Walton Pops because he's shown flashes and I believe he was a third round pick out of the U by by Cincinnati. So he's a guy that's got potential. He's only been in the league for, for I, I think this is his third year second or third year in the league. So he's a guy that's got potential. There's a lot of potential in this backfield. And so Kenyon Drake, in my mind, is the next guy. He's the next domino to fall as far as trade value. And that's that was my biggest takeaway from the roster. Other than that, I was a little surprised that they kept 10 offensive linemen just because none of their offensive linemen are any good. So you would think that there were other guys that they could keep that were maybe more valuable, whether on the defensive line or in the secondary or, you know, anywhere else on the roster, basically, than than 10 mediocre offensive linemen. But I guess the thought is, hey, have have enough there to just kind of throw at the wall and see what sticks. And if you come out with with two or three guys by the end of the year that that can end up being starters, then you don't have as much to address at that position going forward but I was a little surprised to, surprised to see them keep 10 offensive linemen I think the idea is you you line a couple offensive linemen uh out wide put one in the slot and then uh you know a lot a lot of extra protection there okay think, so we're trading away Albert Wilson now let's let's not get carried away here but listen I, I think at this point anything is possible but let's move on from the roster and and all of that and and let's look ahead to the season that is to come. Tom, can you, can you give us a little bit of background on, on this piece? And is this, you know, we're relatively new to the dolphinstalk.com family and, and some of our listeners probably are as well. So give us a little bit of background as far as what your thoughts were on this preseason column that we were preparing for and that we were going to be discussing today. I thought the, I thought the article, um, I, I mean, I when I looked at everybody's uh, synopsis of what they felt the season was going to look like, I said, yeah, you know, this I think that makes sense. And, you know, some some of the guys picking, you know, six, seven, maybe even eight wins. I was like, yeah, that's you know, it might be a stretch, but, you know, it is the Dolphins. They've had worse teams to find the way to win seven games, games they're not supposed to win. They find out find that they can win those games. So when I looked at it. I wasn't surprised. And then the Laramie Tunsil trade happened. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just leave everything as it is. So everybody's thoughts are on paper before that trade happened and just kind of get a kick out of it when we, you know, when we review it heading back into uh, after week 17, when we review the wins and losses that everyone had put together and say, oh, wow, I can't believe I picked that as a win. 
when clearly they got destroyed in that game or whatever it is. So uh, I found it, I found it amusing. And uh, especially after the Laramie Tunsil trade went through, I had everybody's uh, stuff ready to go at the beginning of the week. And then, you know, I just added a couple little extra things to the article uh, this morning. And I was like, I, I don't think we should change anything. Let's just let it ride the way it is and have people can, you know, enjoy the read because of what, we put on paper was the fact that we still had Kenny Stills, the fact we still had Laramie Tunsil, and the fact that we we would expect that Josh Rosen could somewhat perform decently with Laramie Tunsil left tackle, but now that's gone. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? But yeah, check out the article DolphinsTalk.com. It's a it's a staff prediction uh, for the regular season record, and it's uh, it's a hell of a read at this point because it was all done before the trade yesterday. Yeah, a lot, a lot changed. So when we go, as we go through the schedule here, we give our, our picks. Uh, I don't think we need to be married to what we put down in the column necessarily. Um, I was just, I'm sorry, go ahead, Tom. Not anymore. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was looking back at the email that I sent you and what, what was my little blurb for the column. And I think interestingly enough, I don't know that I would change any of these thoughts. What I said was, I think it's safe to say that this is going to be a long season for the Miami Dolphins, but with any luck, there will be some entertaining moments and the Dolphins will head into the 2020 offseason knowing exactly what they need to do and with all the resources and draft capital necessary to take a big leap forward in the season to follow. I think a lot of that remains true as we head into this, although I just think it's maybe slightly more bleak than it was before. But let's just go through it week by week. We'll give... Some brief thoughts on on what you think the game, what you think we're going to see in the game, and whether the Dolphins will win it or lose it. And we'll start Week One at home with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens coming to town, a team that the Dolphins have historically struggled with anyway. A big physical team coming into Hard Rock Stadium to take on the Dolphins Week One. I have this as a loss, Tom. How about you? Uh, I've I've. I was teetering that they might have won this game, uh, but now that Laramie Tunsil is not there anymore, I think that we're going to get wrecked. We're going to get destroyed in that game. Uh, it's the defense is going to what is really something to watch this year. I liked what I saw in the preseason games from the defense outside of the first game where they're just getting their feet wet, but they played well against Tampa. They played well against Jacksonville, and they played well against New Orleans. I think the defense is going to help keep the games close, but the offense is just – I don't I don't see them scoring 10, 13 points against Baltimore. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Brain, what are your thoughts on this week one game, Ravens at Dolphins? Reminds me of Baltimore's week one game last year against Buffalo where the Bills uh, had nothing on the offensive line, very little offensive weapons, didn't want to throw Josh Allen out there right away so they made their sacrificial lamb Nathan Peterman and they got absolutely destroyed 47 to 3 granted that game was in Baltimore uh and this one's going to be in Miami I think our defense will do a decent job but I think it's going to be very ugly and I wouldn't be surprised if we were shut out uh I think it's we're going to get absolutely crushed in our in our week one game yeah I should say that I think the Dolphins' defense is still, like as a unit, a pretty good unit. I would say probably their floor is a league average defense as a unit. Um, but but 
I, you know, the Baltimore Ravens are a, a very tough team, and we've seen the Dolphins struggle in the past with quarterbacks who can move, and that is going to be the case in week one. Uh, the week two quarterback maybe doesn't move quite as well, but he moves just enough. And that's Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Of course, the Dolphins have traditionally had success against the Patriots at home in our building. Um, and uh, particularly early in the season before the Patriots have peaked. Uh, Bill Belichick is an just he is a master at making sure that his teams peak at exactly the right time. And he knows that it doesn't really matter how the team performs in September, as long as by the time October, November, December roll around, the team is moving in the right direction. And that's that's been his thing. But New England comes to town. Uh, Belichick has fared very well against his former assistants, and I don't see that changing very much here. I see the Patriots coming into Miami and getting a win uh, early in the season. Tom, week two, Patriots at Dolphins. Tom Brady does not play well in 95-degree weather. It has been his MO for his career. I mean, granted, yeah, sure, he doesn't lose a lot, but he loses in Miami a ton. And it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. I just don't see a miracle happening in week two. Not this time. I think the Dolphins will lose this game. Probably, I would say it's going to be fairly close because I think obviously Brian Flores knows what he's up against in New England. And, you know, practicing against that defense or that offense for as long as he was there, he knows tendencies. He knows what they like to do. I think they'll keep it close, but the Patriots are going to end up winning that game. Brain? Yeah, I don't think. Uh... I don't think the Dolphins have much of a shot in this one. And I think the the Miami miracle is something that's still fresh in the minds of of the Patriots players and coaching staff. And I think they'll be ready for this one. And I just don't think Miami I, – I expect Miami to get better as the season goes on. But week two, we're still going to be trying to shuffle that offensive line. We're still going to be implementing a lot of parts of this – this new defense, this new offense. Uh, I don't like our odds in that game. So I got that as a loss. I should mention that Rob Gronkowski can take all the CBD products he wants. Uh, He still will not have the angle for this game. Week three, the Dolphins travel to Dallas to take on the Cowboys, a team that I think has a lot of upside this season. Um, We'll we'll see how the Dolphins travel with uh, Brian Flores at the helm. But again, this is a, a steep hill to climb, especially if Ezekiel Elliott does end up playing this season for the Dallas Cowboys and all signs seem to be pointing in that direction. Uh, it's going to be, it's just going to be the pattern that we're going to see this season is that I just don't know how the Dolphins are going to score enough points to keep up with the Dallas Cowboys. So I think this is a, a week three loss for the Miami Dolphins. Tom? Same. It's a loss. Uh, in Dallas, on the road, first hostile environment for a lot of these young players in an NFL environment. And Dallas is going to be a, a very good football team, I think, this year. If Dak Prescott can you know, stay out of his own way and not think he's a $40 million quarterback, I think they'll be, I think they'll be good, and they'll be good enough to beat Miami in week three. Brain? Yeah, I just don't see how we're going to control that that Cowboys pass rush dealing with uh, their offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott is one thing, but I just don't see how we're going to score against really an elite defense. And this is, 
you know, in those first four weeks, three of the top four teams that we're playing have downright dominant defenses, and the Cowboys are one of them. And without Laramie Tunsil, I just don't see how we're going to to muster any kind of offensive attack. And if we fall behind, it's just a recipe to get slammed by the Cowboys, especially on the road. So I think this is another double-digit loss for the Miami Dolphins. So all of us have the Dolphins 0-3 heading into their Week 4 encounter with the Los Angeles Chargers, another team that I feel like is going to be putting up a lot of points this year, even if even if they end up without Melvin Gordon, which it sounds like the Chargers have recently given him permission to go seek trade and try to get on the field elsewhere. I still think the Chargers have too many offensive weapons for the Dolphins to compete with, and I think this is yet another loss for the Miami Dolphins. I have them 0-4 heading into the bye. Tom. Yeah, I have them mowing for as well. And, you know, the Chargers are another team that just historically does not play well in Miami. Uh, crossing, you know, the entire United States to go play a game in South Florida at 1 o'clock, 90-degree weather. They didn't fare well their last time here. So I'm still going to give a loss to the Dolphins. But, again, I think it's this is a game that the Dolphins can, you know, surprise people and pull out an upset. You know, Philip Rivers – is prone to interceptions. He always has been, particularly in South Florida. It's a game the Dolphins could find a way to win. I just don't see them doing it. So they're 0-4 going into the bye. Brain? Yeah. This was the one that I had the Dolphins winning. I, In my synopsis, I kind of said, like, I expect the Dolphins, you, you're starting the, game, the season off with three of your first four games at home. And even though you're playing really good teams, I thought that the Dolphins would win one of them. I wasn't sure if it would be the opener, you know, the Patriots game or, or the Chargers game. But I looked at it and I said, you know, the Chargers game is probably the one because uh, they they have traditionally struggled when they come down here. They got the whole West Coast to East Coast thing. And if we and if I had the Dolphins starting at 0-3, I just felt like getting better every week, they would they this would be the one that they would get going into the bye week. And then they went and they traded Laramie Tunsil. And now I just see no way that they're going to be able to block Ingram and Bosa and that arguably the best defensive line in football the, with, that the Chargers have. Uh, so I changed my tune on this one, and I've got the Dolphins losing this one to fall to 0-4. Mercifully, in Week 5, the Dolphins don't play, so they will not lose in Week 5, which is exciting. I can say that definitively. Week five will not be a loss for the Dolphins. Week six, the Dolphins come out of the bye. By my calculations, I think this is where most people imagine that we are going to see Josh Rosen get his first start of the season. Whether or not that that ends up being the case remains to be seen. But this is, if you had to ask me, if I put a gun to my head and you asked me for an answer, this is where he makes his first start. The week after the bye, home game against Washington. And I think the Dolphins get a win here. I think the Dolphins can beat the Redskins at home where, well, they'll have been home for three straight weeks following the Cowboys game. They would have had the week off before. I think this is an opportunity for the Dolphins to come out and get their first week win of the season. Tom? I'm in agreement with with you that I think they can find a way to win their first game against the Redskins, primarily because the Redskins are just as bad on paper as the Dolphins are. 
you know, at that point as well, are we going to see Dwayne Haskins at quarterback for the Redskins? That could be an, that's going to be an interesting matchup to see if, you know, Rosen versus Haskins, if it ends up working out that way. But I think the Redskins are another team in flux. You got Jay Gruden, who's completely on the hot seat and could be out of a job during the season with the way that the team has just underperformed under him the last three years. So I, I could see the Dolphins ending up winning, you know, having a fresh face at quarterback with Ryan Fitzpatrick mostly laid up in the hospital, probably with broken bones in his entire body from playing behind that offensive line. I think the team will rally and, and win games with Josh Rosen under center. Brain, week six. Yeah, uh, this could be the the debut of both Rosen and Haskins. I think Haskins might get in a couple weeks before. Obviously, Rosen could get in a couple weeks before. You don't know how these things are going to play out, especially if, if injuries happen. But I think it'd be really cool to see Rosen versus Haskins, especially since the Dolphins had the opportunity to draft Haskins before electing to pass up on him and end up trading for Rosen. So I think that's an interesting storyline if you end up with that matchup. And I agree, coming out of the bye week, this is a winnable game. It's at home. I think this is where the Dolphins get their first win of the season. So I think we're all, we're all in agreement so far. Oh, this is incredible radio at this point. We're all we're all in agreement across the board. The Weeks. Dolphins win. Yeah. The Dolphins win in dramatic style against the Washington Redskins. And then they hop on a plane and they come up to New York State to take on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, This is another one of those places where historically the Dolphins don't perform very well. And I think, again, with Josh Allen at the helm, They've got an the Bills have an athletic quarterback. They can move the ball. Uh, the Bills seem to be trending in the right direction right now. I I don't see the Dolphins traveling to Buffalo and getting a win, even though the game is in October and the weather won't be terrible yet. Uh, I I still see this as another loss for the Dolphins. Tom. Oh yeah, playing in the Buffalo the Orchard Park is the house of horrors for the Miami Dolphins. You know, you can go back many, many years and remember Ricky Williams ran for like 250 yards against the Bills, and they still lost that game. They could they could play their best game in Buffalo, and they still find a way to lose. They almost lost that game in 2016 against Buffalo uh, it, with the playoffs on the line. They almost gave that game away when they were up, I think, by 17 points in that game. So. Buffalo is a house of horrors. The Dolphins are going to lose in Buffalo for sure. That defense is going to swallow that offensive line up. And whoever is quarterback at that time or the running backs at that time, they're just not going to have much to do in that game. They're going to get blown out in Buffalo. Brain, agree or disagree? Yeah, I got to agree. I, I think anytime we play a team that has a really good defense, it's going to be a really long day for the for the Dolphins just because we just – have nothing on the offensive line, uh, questionable at best at quarterback. So I don't see how we're going to be able to put up more than, you know, 13 points up against any team that's got a good defense. And I think Buffalo's got enough weapons. I think this one will be close, but I still got the Dolphins losing it. I have the Dolphins losing the following week as well on national TV on ESPN as they travel on Monday night to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. I don't see a win coming out of that game either. Uh, Tom, you agree? 
Yeah, they're going to lose. And primetime games in the Dolphins do not have a good match. And they've never, I mean, historically, the Dolphins have not been good in primetime games in the last decade. So this is going to be another one of those games where you have an offense like the Pittsburgh Steelers that's just going to put up points. As much as your defense might be good, there's not going to be enough points put up by your own offense to even stay close in that game. I think Pittsburgh wins big. Brain? I, I think the Dolphins could could maybe keep it close. Uh, as far as the historically struggling on, on national TV, I, I, it'd be nice with the new regime and the new head coach that we could put up a respectable effort. I, I think that's that's all I really want to see out of this game. Um, and I, I do think we could keep it close with a team like the Steelers because I don't think that they're some dominant defense, so it might give – Josh Rosen, who I expect to be the quarterback at this point in the season, and a running game, which I believe we could be pretty decent at running the football this season. We could be able to keep it close, but at the end of the day, in Pittsburgh national television, Ben Roethlisberger versus Josh Rosen, you're going to take the Steelers all day in that. Appointment viewing in Week 9 as Adam Gase and the New York Jets come to South Florida to take on the Dolphins. This is one of those games that I felt good about the Dolphins winning before. Now I feel less good about them winning. Uh, I, I also think that this is a scenario where the Jets are probably going to have more fans in the building than the Dolphins based on, you know, it, it, Dolphins fans can always get up for the Jets game no matter what. But based on the way things are going at this point in the season, the Dolphins will be, what, one in six heading into this game, at least as far as my uh, the way I see it. I don't know. I, I I see the Dolphins having a hard time winning this game as well. And I think Adam Gase comes into Miami and defeats the Miami Dolphins uh, in their own backyard. And he goes home happy. Tom? I had this game as a win. I still think they can win this game. Uh, and and I, I can't even say it's a revenge game. I mean, what players are left from the Adam Gase era right now that are willing to get revenge on him at this point? I mean, most of the guys are gone. So, uh, but the Dolphins will find a way to win this game. I don't know how. I don't know why. I think they still will win this game. I think it's just the drama of Adam Gase in the building. I, maybe Stephen Ross will go in there and give a nice little pep talk to the team to tell him to stick him in the stick it in his butt, and hopefully they uh, come out with a win. So I still think they may win this game, which it's I'm kind of baffling myself saying that, but it's still a possibility. Oh, we have a disagreement. Yep. It's and, fantastic. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and agree with Tom. I think Adam Gase sucks on the road, and he had a an, a home record that was inflated by a great home field advantage in Miami. And I don't think you could lose sight of the fact that Miami still has a really good home field advantage. And I don't think the Jets are a particularly good team. I don't, I'm not necessarily sold on Sam Darnold as, as a quarterback. I don't think that their defense is any special, is anything special. And I think we're going to outcoach Adam Gase, or Adam Gase is going to outcoach himself, which is usually what ends up happening. And I think the Dolphins are going to get a victory at home against the New York Jets to go to two and six. I like it. 
So you guys have the Dolphins at two and six. I've got them at one and seven as we move into the second half of the schedule, running a little bit long on time. So we're going to go lightning round here for the rest of the rest of these games to see if we can arrive at the the final record. Dolphins going to Indianapolis to take on Jacoby Brissett and the Indianapolis Colts. It's a road game. I've got them losing. Same. I got them losing that game too. Brain. Sorry. Got to take the mute button off. I, uh, this was one that I had them winning before. After the Tunsil trade, I have since changed it. I have this as a loss. Buffalo comes to town. I see them losing to the Bills again here. I do too. I think the game will be close, but I see them losing. I've got it as a loss as well. Week 12, the Dolphins travel to Cleveland to take on the new look Cleveland Browns. And again, this is one of those times they're not going to score enough points to beat the Browns. I have them lose, losing on the road to Cleveland. Tom? Uh, definitely lost to the Browns. Jarvis Landry will have a little revenge game because he's he likes he doesn't like what he's going to see on the other sideline uh, with the logo on the helmet. So he's going to play well. I think they lose. I agree. Dolphins lose. Week thirteen, the Dolphins welcome the Philadelphia Eagles to town. I see this as a loss as well against a team with uh, Super Bowl ambitions. I don't I don't see the Dolphins winning here against Philly. Not at all. Philly's Philly should take the Dolphins to the woodshed in that game. Brain? I agree, and at this point of the season, I think the Dolphins are uh, probably playing a lot more of their younger players. They've probably traded off assets, probably got injuries, which is exposing the Dolphins' lack of depth. This is going to be a bloodbath. Eagles win in Miami. Week 14, it's MetLife takeover time as the Dolphins travel to New York for their first of two games in the Meadowlands, the first time against the Jets in Week 14. Uh, I... Yeah, I'd hate to say it, but I think uh, I think I see Adam Gase and the Jets doing the double over the Dolphins. The Jets get a win here. Yeah, this will be an uh, Adam Gase, I'm pissed off game and and take out the Dolphins and, and run up the score like he did against the Broncos back a couple years ago in Miami. Yep, this is Adam Gase's revenge. The Jets win the home game against the Dolphins to get the split. This is an interesting one in week 15, second straight game at the Meadowlands. I think it's likely that the Dolphins stay in town all week. Uh, week 15, they take on the Giants. This could very well be a game where the number one pick in the draft is decided. Um, I think by this point, Daniel Jones is the quarterback for the Giants, and I think they're going to take care of the Miami Dolphins. I see the Dolphins losing this one. I I am in disagreement. I think they beat the Giants, unfortunately, in and and screw up their draft position. Same old Dolphins. Ha. So that's uh, your third win for the Dolphins brain. What do you have this one? Me and Tom are on the same page. I, I actually think the fact that we're staying up there, we're acclimated to it. We're going to be in the same stadium. Yeah, we're the road team, but it's not as bad. We're playing a team that's probably right around the same talent level as us. Rookie quarterback. Give me the Dolphins for their third victory of the season. Then the Dolphins come home to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I, I see this as the Dolphins picking up their second win of the season, defeating Andy Dalton. Well, Andy Dalton will surely be injured by this point. So uh, whoever the Cincinnati backup quarterback is, but I see the Dolphins getting the win in week 16 to bring their record to 2-13. and 13. Tom? I flip-flop on this game. I think they're going to end up losing to the Bengals because after they realize they beat the Giants, they, they, they know they screwed it up, so they they have to save face. So I think they lose this game. <laughs> Brain? I could totally see that happening. <laughs> that is a very same old Dolphins thing to happen. You get excited that they're finally that 
they're, you know, they're turning the corner and then they get a home game against a team that everybody thinks that they're going to beat and then they lose. But I actually think uh, the victory against the Giants is a turning point and they come home. Rosen plays well. The team is starting to round into shape. The defense is playing well. Cincinnati at that point, they're playing out the string and Miami gets back-to-back wins for the first time this season to get their fourth victory of the year. And the win in the home finale there, because then in Week 17, they travel to New England to take on the Patriots, a Patriots team that will more than likely not be playing for very much here. Maybe they're playing for uh, the one seed versus the two seed. But uh, I, I think there's not going to be a lot on the line here for the Patriots. It's going to be the last opportunity for some of these Dolphins to make a name for themselves with the organization. It's week 17. It's still the Dolphins at the Patriots. And I don't see the Dolphins, particularly this Dolphins team, going into Foxborough and coming away victorious. So I see the Dolphins losing this game and finishing the season 2-14. and 14. Yeah, they're definitely going to get trounced in New England. I mean, they could start the water boy at quarterback and the Patriots will end up winning the game 40 to three. It's, it's going to be a blowout in the final week. And I see the dolphins going three and 13 and picking number one overall in the draft brain and the Patriots. I, I think the Patriots probably will be playing for something. I think they're probably going to be right there playing for whether it's a buy or it's home field advantage. And I think that's important to the Patriots at this at this time in their dynasty that they they want to be with home field advantage going into the postseason. So I think they'll have a little something to play for. And even if they don't, you know, it reminds me of of that game a few years ago where we we played them the last game of the season with Tannehill and the Patriots had nothing to play for and they still beat us by like 20. So I agree. I think we get trounced. I've got us finishing four and 12 and I think this is one of those years where four and 12 probably gets you a top two or three pick. It might even be good enough for the number one pick. I think we're going to be right there in the top three. Uh, I think that Cincinnati game, that might be the one that screws us. I think if we beat, if we win that game against Cincinnati, I think that might put us at four and 12. It might even be Cincinnati finishing at four and 12 as well. But then us having the head to head, I think that might be the game that ends us ends up screwing us out of the top pick. So there it is. There are our preseason 2019 Dolphin season predictions on a week by week basis. Of course, Tom will be bringing you week by the week by week preview as the season goes on each week on the countdown to kickoff show. And, and of course, joining Mike over there on the Dolphins talk dot com daily podcast, uh, where they wrap up the games on Sundays. The brain and I will be with you twice a week. Uh, giving you a recap of the previous week's game and a preview of the next game. So we'll look forward to talking to you again later this week with our official in-depth preview of the Dolphins opener versus Baltimore. We should know a little bit more. I think there may still be a couple pieces moving around before we finally get things settled down for that game. Um, so we'll talk talk you through all of that um, on our show later this week. But in the meantime, Tom, can you tell the people where they can find you? What do you have? What do you want to plug? This is the stage is yours. Uh, the people can find me on Twitter at Dolphins Talk Tom. Uh, we're going to have a pregame show, our first real pregame show on Sunday. 
morning that will drop. Uh, it is the countdown to kickoff show presented by DolphinsTalk.com where we go a little bit more in depth on the game, what to expect uh, from the Dolphins. I'll give a prediction. Unfortunately, the predictions are going to be losses at this point. Uh, but it, it should be fun. And then the, obviously the postgame wrap-up show and our daily show uh, kind of going through the week uh, of news at hand and give our opinions on what's going on with the Dolphins. Uh, you know, And obviously check out the same old Dolphin show on our podcast network. They're great. Listen, these guys are awesome. Uh, and also follow those guys on Twitter. Uh, appreciate that, Tom. Brain, where can the people find you? Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And of course, I am on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. You should also follow the show at Same Old Dolphins. As Tom said, every episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show is available on the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. And DolphinsTalk.com is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. News, opinions, columns, it's all there on DolphinsTalk.com. So make sure you're visiting the website every single day. You could. We also suggest that you... Uh, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We're also available on the Google Play Store and Stitcher and Spotify. Um, we are looking into potentially uh, adding the podcast to Podbean. That might mean switching uh, podcast hosts for us. So that might uh, make things a little bit difficult, but we're looking into doing that. So that might be something that can happen as somebody suggested that that was a place they'd like to hear us. If there is a place where you would like to hear the same old dolphin show where we are not currently located, uh, shoot us a tweet at same old dolphins and, and let us know where that is. And we will do everything in our power to make sure that you are able to listen to our show as easily as possible. The, of course, Facebook. I almost forgot. Facebook.com slash same old dolphins. We're over there as well. Every episode of the show is posted there. We also are, are doing our best to share some news and columns over there as well. So Facebook.com slash same old dolphins is the Facebook page. That's going to wrap us up. We will talk to you again later this week as we preview the Baltimore Ravens game. One last thing I want to say for all of our listeners and all of the dolphinstalk.com readers that are in the potential path of Hurricane Dorian. We hope that you all stay safe. We are thinking about you. Uh, you. You are on our minds and hopefully everything will be okay and this thing will spin off northwards and, and will not make a landfall in the United States and all of you guys will will be safe. We're, we're keeping our fingers crossed for you. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Everybody's got a price Everybody's gonna pay Cause the million dollar man